All right, we're in chapter 13. We're in the middle of the chapter. We saw how the man of God rebukes Yerovah ben Avat, performs some impressive miracles at the altar in Beit El, and now he's on his way back to the land of Judea, or he thinks he's on his way back. We saw in verse 11, the last verse we read, had that there's an old prophet that's living in Beit El, and we saw that his son came and told him everything that transpired there in Beitel. And then we see again at the end of verse 11, Again, they spoke it, they related it to their father. Here we have the plural, plural form of telling their father. So obviously this made a big impression as we saw in the last chapter that all that transpired there, they told him the whole story of what, that, what went down there uh, as the man of God did a lot of miracles there in Beit El, and especially impressive that he refused the invitation of the king to dine with him, and they explained to their father all those things, and it makes their father, the Navi Zaken, very, very curious. Now, the, this Navi Zaken, this old prophet who suddenly comes into the scene in verse 11, Tirugam Yonatan tells us right away, Navi Shekara, that this is a Navi Shekar. This is a false prophet, and we'll see as we go on in the story that we obviously are talking about a false prophet. We'll see the Abarbanel differs. We may, we'll bring him down later. But for all intents and purposes, the Naviza Ken, even though the narrative doesn't tell, tell us he's a false prophet, they call, he, they call him an old prophet. We know from the context that he's a, a false prophet. And it makes sense because how many genuine prophets are living in Beit El? At this time in history, Beitel, which has become the focal point of the of Yerovam's false koanim and high places and so forth, so that he's, the fact that he's in Beitel alone indicates that he's not a genuine prophet, even though the scripture calls him a Naviza Ken. So they, the sons, tell him all that went down there, and he's very interested. So he says in verse twelve, So their father, this Naviza Ken, this old prophet, says, "Which way did he go?" And his son showed their father the way he went. They showed him the way that he went, the man from Yehuda. They showed him the way he went, and it says in verse 14, and so it says, verse 13, excuse me, and he said to his sons, saddle me a donkey. So they saddled him a donkey, and he rode on it. A couple times in this chapter, we talk about this donkey being saddled and ridden on. I'm not sure why, even though we'll see the donkey does play an important part in the story later on. But I don't know why they keep telling us that he saddled the donkey. So it says in verse 14, So this old prophet, it's, he's going after the man of God. He's looking for him. And he found him. He found him sitting under an oak tree. And he said to him, are you that man of God that came from Yehuda, from the land of Judah? And he said, Ani, yeah, that's me. Verse, 16, verse 15. And he said to him, Why don't you come home with me and let's break some bread? Verse 16. He said, I can't go back with you. And to come back with you and eat bread. And I'm not going to drink water in this place. 
And he explains further in verse 17, Ki alai Hashem, because I have a command from the Lord, You shall not eat bread, you shall not drink water there, and also, you can't return on the same road which you arrived. So, we see basically, the man of God is repeating the exact words he, he also said to Yerovam, King Yerovam also, when he invited him to eat and drink with him, the prophet of God also said these same words, that he's not allowed to be there, he's not allowed to schmooze with the residents, he's just there to give his prophecy, and that's it. And it says in verse 18, and here in verse 18, we get the this bizarre story unfolds. So the old prophet says, you know, I'm also a prophet, just like you. And an angel came to me and said, in the name of God, Lemur, saying, And this angel of God said, Bring him back to your house. He shall eat bread and drink water. So the old prophet, the false prophet, says to the real prophet, that an angel of God came to me and said, I should invite you over to have you eat and drink with me. And then the last two words of verse 18 says, Kicheshlo. He lied to him. So it says explicitly that the Naviza Ken, this false prophet, lied to the real prophet. And the Radak says the following. So the Radak agrees that it was a false prophet because he was a false prophet. And the problem is that the real prophet listened to him and believed him. And the real prophet was punished for it. Because the, the man of God, the real prophet, should have checked it out. He should have investigated. He should have asked him. He should have checked it out this more. So the Radak says that the real prophet is punished for not checking out if this old man was indeed a real prophet. And therefore the Radak continues that he went against his own prophecy. And we know from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verse 19, there Hashem is giving some halachot about the prophet, and it says that the man who does not heed my words that I give through the prophet, who speaks in my name, I shall require of him, which means I shall, he shall be deserve, deserving of death. So someone who doesn't listen to the prophet, which is Hashem's word, is chayav mita, has to be, killed. And our prophet here is going against his own prophecy. His own prophecy. Because he wasn't supposed to eat or drink in this place. And therefore, Radak explains why he was punished. Now, we have to ask, why did the real prophet believe the old prophet? Why did he believe him? After all, he seems to be pretty steadfast in Yerovam. He said, give me half of your malchut and I wouldn't eat here. Why did he suddenly become gullible upon the words of the old prophet. So, first of all, it could be that the old prophet from Beitel, he was old and he might have looked like a real prophet and he said, an angel sent me, so maybe it's true. After all, this old prophet wasn't in Beitel during, during Yerovam's um, ceremony, so maybe he's legitimate. The Raubag mentions that maybe the prophet thought it was like the Akedah, you know, when Abraham was told to sacrifice his son, to bring his son Isaac as a burnt offering, 
And then later on, Hashem sent an angel, told him not to perform the sacrifice. So maybe in this case as well, Hashem reversed the command as he did with Abraham. So maybe the, the real prophet's thinking it's that way. Now, the Ralbach goes on to say how it's different, because there, Hashem didn't exactly reverse his prophecy totally. He kind of altered it. In the end, they brought an offering, they brought a, a ram and so forth. But we won't get into that. But in it, we're trying to just figure out why would the, fall, the real prophet fall for it? What made him um, believe the old prophet? And what has to be a factor in all of this, which made him vulnerable, was maybe when we see the verse, he was sitting under an oak tree. Now let's think about it. This man of God was sent from the, state, the uh, land of Judea to Yerovam in Beitel. He's not allowed to eat or drink. Not to eat or drink. He doesn't have any means of transportation, as we'll see later on, that the old prophet's going to give him his donkey. And so he must be pretty tired, thirsty, and hungry. He wants to believe the old prophet. And when you want to believe it, you start to build a narrative around it and you start to believe it. So it's probably all those factors together, the vulnerability of the real prophet and his um, being so hungry and thirsty. Now the oak tree might be a might be uh, the reason why he was wanted to believe the uh, Navizakan, the, the false prophet. So let's go on in verse 19. And then the real prophet, he returned with him. He returned with him. And he ate bread. And he ate bread and he drank water in his house. So he went through with it. He actually went against the word of God, believing the Naviza Ken. And it was, as they're sitting, at the table, and the word of God came to the prophet who had brought him back. So the word of God comes to the man who brought him back, which is, most commentators say, it's talking about the Naviza Ken, the old prophet, the false prophet. The word of God comes to him. Now the question is, if he's a false prophet, why would the word of God come to him? So, possibly, possibly it could be that similar in King Saul, when he was getting a prophecy about what's going to happen, he went to did a seance. He wasn't worthy of getting prophecy for all, that, all the sins he committed. So Hashem gave him the truth, gave him a re- his revelation through Samuel, who was brought up by the Balat over a seance, so we have here that somebody who's not worthy will get the word of God through impure means. So maybe for that moment, this false prophet was getting a prophecy in order to uh, reveal to the real prophet Hashem's word, and because the, the real prophet wasn't worthy anymore. Rashi brings something interesting that we learned that somebody who has hospitality and gives you refreshments and does hachnasat ochim causes the Shekhinah to rest upon him. So that's a little Musar, that here it's saying that the false prophet got prophecy because he did a mitzvah of hachnasat orchim. So that's something we could say parenthetical. In any case, the false prophet gets a prophecy and it says in verse 21, And the prophecy is directed to the man of God who has come from Judah. And it says, Thus says God, 
Yan Hashem irita pi Hashem velo shamatet mitzvot shifra Hashem velo kecha. Because you rebelled against the word of God and you did not keep the commandments that the Lord God commanded you. Verse 22. And you returned and you ate bread and drank water. In this place where you were told not to eat or drink water. And here comes the, the finale of this verse, and it's the punishment. You shall, your corpse shall not come to the grave of your forefathers. So at the end of verse 22, we see that for going against the word of God, for in eating, for eating and drinking in this place, you, are, you will not get a proper burial. Your corpse will not reach the grave of your fathers of your forefathers. So that's the shocking uh, prophecy that comes to the man of God that he as a punishment for going back on his own prophecy. But it says in verse 23, he doesn't seem that concerned. He says, And it was after he ate bread and after he drank, and he sat on the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. So again, the old prophet gives the new prophet, the real prophet, his donkey. Somehow the new, the old, the real prophet here is continuing in the meal. I guess he figures, well, I'm punished anyway. Might as well enjoy my meal. Or maybe he figures it's not going to happen right away. Or maybe just Mikabel Tadin understands that Baruch Dayan Emet, he he accepts the punishment and he just keeps going. So it says in verse 24, And he went on his way and the lion found him. And he killed him. And his corpse was thrown in the road. And that donkey he was riding, it just was standing next to him. And the lion is also standing there, the corpse. So you have this corpse laying there. And on one side is the donkey, the other side is the lion, and they're just standing there. Now they call the body a nevela, which is a harsh word in Hebrew, but it could be that the body is so torn up that it's not even in the definition of being a corpse. It's called a nevela. It's that brutalized from what happened to it. So it says in verse 25, And people are passing by. And they see the nevelah. They see this dead body, mushlechet baderech, that's thrown in the road. And the lion there is standing next to the nevelah. And that's the talk of the town. Everybody's talking about it. In the town where the old prophet lived, everybody's saying, you know, you can't believe it. There's a dead man there and one side's a lion, the other side's a donkey. And the word gets back to the old prophet. So the prophet that brought him back, the old prophet, the false prophet, he heard about it. That's a man of God. That's what happened to the man of God who rebelled against the word of God. And the Lord has fulfilled the word. He's given him over to the lion. The lion tore him asunder and killed him. Just like Hashem said would happen. 
Because after all, the old prophet was there when the prophecy was revealed. He's the one who gave it over, according to most commentators. So he's impressed how the prophecy has come to fruition. It says in verse 27, And he told his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. So he has another donkey. They saddled it. And they went and they discovered the corpse thrown in the road. And the donkey and the lion are standing there next to the corpse. The lion did not eat the corpse. And it did not tear up the donkey. So why do they keep saying that in, in the scripture that the lion and the donkey are standing there? Because it's Obviously, a very impressive scene, something miraculous. The Malbim explains what's so wondrous about this corpse being on one side of lion, the other side of donkey. So he says, like this in the Malbim that if the lion had torn apart the prophet because he was hungry, he would have eaten the corpse if he was hungry. And he didn't eat the corpse. He just standing there. But let's say the lion was just being aggressive and he was angry. As he, then he should have, in that case, torn asunder the donkey. But he didn't tear asunder the donkey. The donkey's whole and fine. So that's the first. That's the. That's what's miraculous about it. That the lion is just standing there, not eating the corpse and not tearing apart the donkey. He should have done one or the other. The other thing that's miraculous, the Malbim says. It's like the lion's there doing shmira. He's guarding the corpse. It's as if he's guarding the corpse until it could be taken for proper burial. And the donkey, what's miraculous about the donkey? The donkey didn't run away. He should have been running away because he should have feared the lion. But why is the donkey there? Because he's there so that later on, when the old prophet comes along, he can put the corpse on the donkey so the donkey is there ready to be used as a beast of burden. And that whole scene is something that's just wondrous for people to see. They see that this is a miracle. And the man, the, the old prophet, is obviously most impressed because he saw the prophecy uh, he saw that prophecy when they were eating together that exactly what was going to happen and it happened and just like it said you will not be put to proper burial in Judah that's exactly what happened here so we see that the man of God on one hand is punished for going against the word of God and his whole prophecy on the other hand there's a certain kind of reward he's getting for being a righteous man that he is being guarded for proper burial by the lion but the question we haven't addressed yet, and this is what begs asking, is what was the motivation of the Naviza Ken? Why did the old prophet mislead the man of God in the first place? What did he what did he get out of it? Why did he lie to him and in the end cause this man of God to die, whether he wanted that or not? Why did the false prophet what was his motivation? This is the question that has to be asked. We haven't addressed it, and in my next year, we're going to try to understand what was the motivation all along. Why did the false prophet mislead and lie 
to the man of God in the first place. So stay tuned.